to read. I appreciate Zoe helping me. 11, 11 through 6, and then I will jump to verse number 20. I will uh, Actually, we'll go through 17, verse number 6, 11 through 6, then we'll jump to 17, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read quickly, but this is the chapter about Lazarus, and I, I want us to, to get the whole picture of what is happening. And maybe this is somebody's first time reading or hearing about Lazarus, and I want to be careful that we don't just assume things, and there could be something that maybe would benefit you if we took the time to read, and so that's what I want to do that today. Amen? I give you honor today. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who would later anoint the Lord with fragrant oil and wipe his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So there's Lazarus, there's Mary, and there's Martha. They are family, and they are friends of Jesus. The sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, pay attention, so when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And we'll jump to verse number 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus, Jesus waited two extra days after finding out. And when he gets there in verse number 17, Lazarus has been dead for four days in the tomb. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them. They were weeping with them concerning Lazarus, their brother. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him, but Mary stayed sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he, we're stop right here, so he shall live. I am the resurrection and the life. With the help of the Lord this morning for the next few minutes, I want to speak to you on this very simple thought. When God shows up late, when God shows up late, I know we worship, we prayed, but one more time as we go into the word of the Lord together, would you pray with me this morning? God, we are so thankful today for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your loving kindness, God, towards us. We know that none of us are here on our own. It is borrowed of you. And God, today we ask for your anointing and your favor. As we journey through your word, I pray a special anointing upon your people today. I pray a special understanding and favor and witness of your power today. And as you would do that for them, I pray you would do that for me. That you would anoint me, God. That you remove error from my mind and from my mouth. Help me, God, to deliver what you have given me for your people today. I don't want to get in the way of it. I want to help facilitate what you desire to do here on this Sunday morning. I pray and I ask that today in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Would you shout his name this morning? You may be seated. This is a story that stands out, no doubt. I am sure many movies have been made about the life of Jesus and one could not be made without 
mentioning Lazarus. Many books have been written. None of them is powerful. None of them in any way could ever compare to the word of God, but many have been written about the life of Jesus and not many could be written without including the story of Lazarus. There is so much that stands out here and as we journey through it today, I pray that it would be a blessing and a strength to you because as always, it is important to be reminded that God is always mindful of his people that God is always caring, that God is not just all-knowing. What good would it be if I, as a father, knew that my children were in danger, yet I never took any action towards it? I would not be the father that I'm called to be, the father that I want to be. How much more, can I remind you, does our God care for us that he does not just listen and abandon his children. He does not just know and leave you on your own, but he knows these things and cares for you and I in such a way that he takes action. And we see it time and time again, and we are reminded of it through the scriptures. And again today in John chapter number 11, it starts with the reminder that Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, is sick. His sisters, Mary and Martha, they were friends of the Lord. Think about that for just a minute. When Jesus was in ministry, when Jesus was healing and touching and speaking into the lives of so many people, it was Martha's house, it was Mary's house, it was Lazarus's house that Jesus would go to hang out. When he wanted those carne asada tacos that had the tortillas, that had the right amount of burn marks on them, he said, Martha, I'm coming through. When he wanted that mac and cheese, Sister Linda, that changed lives, he went to Martha's house. When he wanted the lemonade just right or maybe the coffee just the way he liked it, he showed up to Mary and Martha's house. It was there at the table with Lazarus that I could see them sitting and laughing and joking. It was there that it was, it was a time in which, yes, ministry was done. Yes, he would teach, but it was also a place that he wanted to visit because of his friends. If I can pause and reflect for just a moment with an encouragement for you and an encouragement for me, this reveals to you and I that Jesus desires friendship. At times, we only view God as we should with awe and wonder. However, may I remind you on this beautiful Sunday morning that you and I were created for relationship with God. You and I were created not as robots. You and I were created with free will, with free desires. And we were made that way in an effort for relationship with our creator. God has never stopped wanting a relationship with his people. God has never stopped wanting a talk, a conversation, a relationship with his creation. This is important to be reminded because the the enemy would love to stop the relationship that you have with God. The enemy would love to put trouble before you so that you can never see him as a friend. The enemy would love for there to be chaos and, and strife, for there to be bitterness and hurt, for there to be calamity and chaos within your own life so that you can never see Jesus as a friend. But God has sent me on this Sunday morning as a reminder that he still desires friends. 
that he still desires conversations. That yes, he is the creator. Yes, he is the alpha and the omega. Yes, he is the beginning and the end. But he desires relationship with his people. That is something that never goes out. That is something that is never dismissed. He is always waiting on this morning, on tomorrow's morning, for a conversation from his people. He is always close. His ear is always bent. His arm is always ready for the people that desire a relationship with him. Don't ever allow or fall to the enemy's lies that God wants nothing to do with you. God desires relationship. And here we see it in this beautiful picture as it begins to unfold that Jesus is told. They come through and they say, tell him, Mary and Martha say, tell him the one that he loves is sick. His friend, his brother, his friend is sick. It doesn't look good and he knows it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't sound good and he knows it. And they think automatically, of course, if anybody would come right away, it would be Jesus. The one you love, your friend, is sick. But the Bible says what we read together was so after he was told, he waited two more days. It doesn't make sense. How many times and how many situations in our life are we approached with that don't make sense? Where God, I need a miracle and I need it to happen today. And God says, I'll wait. You would think, God, you, you, we're friends. <laughs> I, you, you, sat in, you sat at my table and I fed you and I cooked for you and I served you. It's Mary that's going to, you already know all things. It's Mary that's going to wipe your feet with her hair. How close can you get? But he says, I'll wait. Can I remind somebody today that the trying of our faith the trying of our faith does not mean that there is an absence of his love. When we, let, let me explain that. When we're going through things, one of the quickest things that we say, has anybody ever said this? God, I loved you. I served you. I paid my tithes. I gave offering. I even signed up for Roundup. That's a spare change app you can give to the church if you'd like to give. I did all these things. Don't you love me? If you loved me, why would I have to go through this trouble? If you loved me, why would I have to fight through this? The, the testing of our faith does not mean the absence of his love. There are things that God reveals to us through these situations. There are things that are happening that they have no idea that is actually going on. And as the story unfolds, the Bible says that he waits two more days. You can imagine Martha. You can imagine Mary when they're there and they're having to have the funeral. Think about it. Je we call Jesus. I thought you loved him. How? You don't even show up to the funeral? You don't even show up to the graveside? You're not even there? To show respect and honor? Think about the confusion. Why are you letting me go through these things on my own? Why am I having to fight this all by myself when you said you'd always be there for me? The message you gave us was that this sickness would not be unto death. That's what the Bible says. That Jesus said this sickness will not be unto death. We read it. But unto the glory of the Lord. So if this sickness isn't unto death... 
Why is Lazarus dead? It doesn't make sense. You didn't show up. Jesus even goes and tells his disciples, you can read this together uh, on your own, excuse me, in John chapter number 11. He tells his disciples, he said, Lazarus is dead. And it's a good thing that I wasn't there so that you can learn some things. What? So Jesus, check this out for just a minute, is utilizing the pain of Mary and Martha. He is allowing Lazarus to actually die. And he has the audacity to say, I'm glad I wasn't there because I want some people to learn some things. That shows some things about God. God, why, and this is to help somebody, why am I going through this right now? Why am I battling this right now? Why am I, what is is going through? Because God sees more than what you can actually see what you're going through. And he will actually allow things to die in order for lessons to be taught. But as my friend, don't don't you want to give life to all things? No, no, no. I'm your friend. I care for you. But what I want to do goes beyond what you can see within this friendship. What I want to do in your life goes beyond anything. And he tells the disciples this. This is what he says. Before he ever tells them that Lazarus is dead, they don't get it. The Bible says that Jesus goes and he tells the disciples Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples, let me just say this kindly in case they're listening from heaven. They weren't the, they weren't the most intelligent. They didn't get, and I probably wouldn't get it either there when I'm in the moment. Let's be honest. I can tell you right now, I don't get everything that's going on. I'd be in the back like, what are you saying? What do you mean? What? I don't get it, me either, but I'll act like I do. Okay. They say, well, Lord, if he's asleep, that's good. He needs rest. And Jesus is like fed up. He's like, bruh, he's dead. Got to break it down for you. He's dead. And so here they are, they're making this way. Jesus never even makes it. We always put Jesus at the tomb. Jesus doesn't walk to the tomb. Jesus barely gets to the city. And guess who's there to meet him? Martha. And this speaks. Jesus is making his way. And little do they know, Jesus is actually putting his life at risk to make the journey, Dana. Because the Jews wanted to kill him. His disciples even tell him, don't you remember, if if we go to Judea, they're going to want to kill you there. They're going to want to kill you there. But it doesn't stop Jesus from making the journey. Hear me. It doesn't stop Jesus from making the journey. He knows it's going to cost him his life. And he is going to, they have no idea. He is going to allow the issue with Lazarus to be a setup for what he has always planned all along. But you don't see it in the moment. You don't feel it in the moment. You didn't know, Lazarus, that you're a part of a bigger picture that God is about to do. And as he's making his way, here comes Martha showing up at the gate of the city. And the first thing she tells him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Think about it for just a moment. How upset, how hurt. Many here today have suffered loss. Many here today have had that pain that you feel within you that is inexplainable. 
family member has passed, there are no words. You are grateful for the comfort of others. You are thankful for the help of others. You are thankful for the kind words and all of the prayers. But still, within you, there is something that weighs heavy. There are words that cannot be articulated. There are emotions that you experience that you don't even know how to handle at times. And you can imagine that she walks up to Jesus and says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Why did you let this happen? Have you ever been there? Maybe it's not a person, but it's a situation in your life. If you had been here, God, if you had showed up, I wouldn't have had this problem. If you had done something different, why didn't you show up when I asked you to? Why didn't you come running? You didn't even have to show up. You could have just said the word and he could have been healed. But you didn't even do that. When God doesn't make sense and he doesn't show up on time when he walks in late and Martha presents him with the reality that if you were here, my brother wouldn't have been here. I could see tears rolling down her cheek. She's alone. She's the strong one, no doubt, compared to her and Mary. Mary's at the house sitting there, surrounded, no doubt, with people that are crying and mourning. He's already been dead four days. I thought Jesus was always on time. I thought Jesus wouldn't let things like this happen. Jesus, you love Lazarus, yet you let him die? You love him. We read it. You love Mary and Martha, yet you let him die? Yet you let them go through things that they don't know how to go through? You let them battle things that they don't know how to battle? Why do you do that for people you love? It doesn't make sense. But yet God is working and doing something. And notice what Martha says today. And let it be an encouragement to our church, to you individually. Jesus shows up, and in verse 22, Martha has already told him, but this is what Martha says. She says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Somebody needs to be encouraged on this Sunday morning that, Lord, it's not what it's supposed to be. It's not what I thought it was going to be. What I'm going through isn't what I want it to be. But even now, though he's dead, even now, I believe that there is nothing that is impossible with you, God. Even now, as dark as the situation is, even now, as much trouble as there is, even now, you are able to do it. Even now, you are able to work in my child's life. Even now, you are able to work in that marriage. Even now, in that financial situation, it doesn't look like what I want it to look like. I don't understand why this is happening in my life, but even now, you are able to do something about it. I want somebody to be encouraged in whatever place you have found yourself in that even now God has the power. He has never lost. He's undefeated. We sang about it. Jesus, our victory, the God that you and I serve, he doesn't cower to death. He doesn't cower to hell. He doesn't cower to difficulty. There is no situation that scares him. There is no circumstance that surprises him. There is no dynamic that makes him run. Oh no, not the God that we serve. Even now you are able to work. Even now on this Sunday morning when things have been dead for a long time when things have gone wrong for a long time even now you are able to work a miracle like only you can even now 
Somebody needs to hold on to that today in whatever it is that you're going through. Just coming out of rehab, even now. Even now. Just coming out of that situation, even now. Can God do anything in my life? He's been dead four days. At some point, you just give up. But even now, I know that there is power. There is power. And watch, watch what Jesus does because Jesus is constantly teaching us lessons. As it continues in verse number 23, Jesus said to her, your brother's going to rise again. You've got this faith, Martha, in the middle of your hurt that even now you know what I'm capable of. You know what I'm capable of doing. Hold on to that. You know what I'm capable of doing, Martha, but let me show you something else. Your brother will rise again. And she thinks she knows. She thinks she understands what Jesus is saying. Of course he's going to rise again. Of course. Verse number 24. Uh, uh, Of course. I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. What? I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the what? The what? But God's showing up today. Can I, can I stretch somebody's thinking for just a moment? You think you know the limit of the capabilities of what God is able to do. Oh, yeah, of course. I know my brother's going to rise again at the resurrection of the last day. But Jesus shows up on Sunday, and he's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm about to do something today. Because, because Martha, as much as time as we have spent together... As powerful as you know that I am and the things that you know that I can do, you missed a lesson somewhere because you think it's going to be the last day, but I'm showing up today. You know why, Martha? Because I am the resurrection and the life. What what do you mean? What are you trying to say? Martha, you are limiting, you you are putting a limit on who I am. You know what I can do, but I'm taking it a step further. It's not the last day. It's today. Do you know why, Martha? Because I don't have to wait. Because it's not about what I do. It's who I am. Somebody needs to get this. I don't have to wait because it's not just something I'm limited to. This is who I am. So when I step in and I show up, it changes. When I step in and I show up, it's different. It doesn't matter how dark the day is. It doesn't matter how much trouble there is. It doesn't matter that he's been dead four days. I am the resurrection and the life. You know me for what I can do, but I'm teaching you who I am today. Somebody needs to get a hold of this because it's not just what he does. It's who he is. He is the healer. He is the redemption. He is the, oh, hear me. He is the one that cleanses. He is the the one that determines it. We read this together. It's not my own words. He said, this sickness will not be unto death. Yet, Jesus turns around and tells his disciples, he's dead. Makes no sense. It's frustrating, right? Like, Lord, just be straight up. Just be plain. Break it down. Just, just tell me, Lord, why, why are you playing? He's asleep. No, he's not. He's asleep. No, don't play with me. Just tell me. Is he for real asleep? Like one of those good naps or like what? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, those good naps. I know. You just went there right now, that Sunday nap. 
Or you wake up and you think you're, as the meme says, you missed the school bus, but you're 46 years old. You wake up, I'm late for school. Is he just sleeping? What's he doing? No, 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 he, he's dead. But he said this sickness will not be unto death. Isn't that amazing? Because when you know he's the resurrection and the life, when you know it's not just what he does, it's who he is, he's the one that the Bible says what? Determines the end from the beginning. Oh, hold on. So Jesus knew all along, yeah, he's going to die, but he's not going to stay dead. I determined that. I determined that. Why is that important? Well, it's this. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. It doesn't matter what it sounds like right now. It doesn't matter what has happened right now. I present to you, not a preacher, I present to you the resurrection and the life, the power of Jesus Christ. It doesn't, well, it, this sickness is not going to end in death. Well, how did he die? Well, because the one that is the life just showed up and maybe he was dead, but something's about to change. You don't have to wait for the last day. God shows up today. God shows up today. And notice as they tell him, and this is what, this is what Jesus says. They see the people are crying. you got to understand this. This was not the funeral. This was already after. The whole week in that culture, they would have people that would mourn with you. They would have people that would cry with you. They would have people that would care with you. And here it is. It's not the funeral, but they have showed up, and it's there. And Martha, the Bible says this. You'll read this on your own, that Martha sends for Mary secretly. She sends for Mary secretly. Hey, come. This is what the Bible says. The teacher. This, this is what Martha says. The teacher. The teacher is here. The teacher is here. He's coming and he's sending for you. Here it is in verse number 20, 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. Why does this matter? If I can just say this, I can't spend too much time right here on this. But in that day, rabbis and, and, and religious teachers in that day, Brother Aguilar, they were not as open to teaching and instructing women. They were not as open and instructing. Yet, Jesus is there sitting in their home, teaching, loving, caring, friends. And so it matters. I don't want to just run through this. It matters because who is it that she identifies as this teacher, it's Jesus. She tell her sister, she could have called him anything. She could have said the healer is here. She could have said our friend Jesus is here. She could have said the resurrection and the life is here. She said the teacher is here. That relationship, because he's always cared more than anybody else can. He's always given to even those that weren't accepted at that time. To those that weren't accepted or, or, or had it available to them. Jesus says, oh, oh no, it's different from me. She said the teacher is here and she sends for Mary and Mary the first thing she comes up and she says the same thing as Martha she says if you had been here my brother would not have died if you had been here my brother would not have died and she falls down at his feet and Jesus this is what the Bible says in verse number 33 you can help me with this Zoe verse number 33 they can see it with me Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her were weeping they're all crying and Jesus groaned in his spirit and was troubled Why does that matter? Because you and I serve a God that feels things. You and I serve a God that is moved with compassion. You and I serve a God that is moved by what is moving you. 
He didn't look at her cold and say, get up. He didn't look at her and say, stop your crying. I showed up. He didn't look and say, look, look, if you love me and you know who I am, then stop all that. No, no. The Bible says that he groaned in his spirit. There was something moving him. Why does that matter? Because as I said before, and I'll continue to say, is that Jesus responds to what you and I feel. Jesus responds to the needs that you and I have. He is not cold. He is not isolated. He does not leave you on your own. He cares. And verse number 40, 34, excuse me, he groaned and he said, where have you laid him? Take, you met me at the city. You met me at the city, but I'm going beyond this point. I am going to go where you laid him. Take me to that place. Where have you laid him? Take me to that place. What place is it in your life today? Because Jesus isn't just wanting to speak today. He's wanting to show up. Jesus, you have all power. You're the resurrection and the life. Just speak right here. Like you did for Jarius, like, like you did, excuse me, when the gentleman told you, hey, this is what I need, you just speak the word. Jarius is, Father, you, you just speak the word. No, I'm going to that place. I'm going to that place. Jarius' daughter, excuse me, just an example of it. He says, I'm going to that place. Where have you laid him? Where do you need Jesus to show up today? What area of your life? They had left it. It's the cemetery. The Bible speaks of it as a cave. And they said, Lord, come see. They didn't try to hide it. They just said, Lord, come see. This matters to somebody today. This God is wanting to walk to that place where the things that are dead live and abide. That area in your mind, that area in your heart, that area of your family, that area that nobody else is aware of, take me to that place. Where have you laid him? God is asking, where have you laid it today? Where's that passion? Where's that zeal? Where's that desire? Where's that faith you once had? What is it that has died in your life? It's not just a person. What situation is it? He's like, because I'm showing up to that. I'm walking into that. And they say, Lord, come see in verse number 35. Jesus Wept, And we know this most, you know, the shortest verse of the Bible, we learn this if you're in Sunday school, shortest verse of the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. But it's important that you understand what, what we just said a moment ago, is that Jesus feels, Jesus is touched by, Jesus sees them weeping. Jesus sees them crying. He has a relationship, this friendship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You don't see him crying for everybody he heals. But he's touched by these emotions. He's touched. Why? He's the author of these emotions. He's, if I can help somebody, he's the creator. Everything we have, all of our senses, all of our emotions. That's why it's important to yield those things back to him. Because nobody understands it like he does. And verse 35 says, Jesus wept. And then it goes into 36. We'll just kind of follow along. The Jews said, see how he loved him. They see the love and the passion. Verse 37 some of them said, couldn't this man, if he opened the eyes of the blind, couldn't he kept this man from dying too? Jesus, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. The Bible speaks of it, and, and, and uh, theologians, writers, they speak of that groaning. And it, it, it was a sound that was made that uh, would not be articulated. It was a sound of one they say that probably came from a place of anger, being upset. Why? Because we know death was an ultimate 
uh, what was ultimately caused by what? By sin. From the very beginning, sin brought in death. Sin ushered in death. And they say, then Jesus again groaning. It's not a certain word. It's just this sound that he is making, this wrestling within himself, this upset with death, if you would. And he comes to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus walks up to the barrier. What in your life has served as a barrier? What in your life has been put away, has been stored away? Nobody else sees it. Nobody else knows it. But Jesus has just said, take me to that place. I want to see where it's laid. I want to see where he's buried. I want to see where it is. Where it is that you have it, I want to see it. And he shows up to the barrier and he walks up to the barrier. And this is what he says. He says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. He's willing to deal. I can't say this any more plain than this. He is willing to deal with the barriers that separate you from him. Well, it's just a stone. No, there's a barriers in our life that we set up that are put in place throughout different circumstances, different situations in our life. And Jesus is willing to get to you and he removes the barrier that stands before you and your life. You and the revival that he wants to give your life. You and coming out from where you are. And he says, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, she's practical. Lord, this time, He stinks. He's been dead four days. He stinks. Yet it doesn't stop him. The stench of the situation does not keep him. But he's dead. Four days. You know what what the Jews believed at that time. That, that the spirit would hover around the body at least for three days, just in case there would be life again. But after that, it's over. He's been dead four days. There's nothing there. He stinks. This situation is ugly. This situation is nasty. This situation is something nobody wants a part of. What are you doing now? He stinks. Why are you doing this? Did I not say to you, That if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. God takes a step to a situation that nobody else would have thought of. Takes this step to an area that nobody nobody wants to get in a mess. Nobody, as, as much as Martha loved him, she's still concerned about what he smells like. He's dead. She thinks it's over. And Jesus is showing that even though this situation is not ideal... I'm walking into it because of my love that I have for you and what I want to teach you. Verse number 41. They took away the stone and from the place where the dead man was lying, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, this is flesh. This is the humanity of Jesus speaking to the spirit. And you can learn this again in the oneness uh, uh, sessions that they're teaching today in growth track. They'll talk about this. Uh, You say, well, I'm confused about why why is he praying? This humanity praying to the spirit, the flesh of of Jesus Christ, that the son of God means the expressed image of God. God in flesh. God robed himself in flesh. He's a father. I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. 
It shows the passion because God moves in whispers. But he says with a loud voice. In the middle of doubt, in the middle of fear, in the middle of a smelly, stinky, rotten situation. Four days. But yet, God speaks to the situation that has had no life. Can I ask you something? Can dead things hear? Of course not. Why do you even speak that? Because his voice, his voice is one that all must answer to. It's his voice that speaks to the wind and the waves. It's his voice that speaks to the conditions. It's his voice that speaks to the water. It's his voice that speaks to the trees. It's his that speaks to the fowls of the air. It's his that speaks to the depths. There is power in the voice of God. It does not matter who else speaks. It does not matter who else whispers. It does not matter what else is dead. When he speaks, there is a response. And if I may make an attempt today to show you what it would possibly look like on this Sunday morning, he looks back into that and he says, roll away the stone and the stone is removed. And if you would, an open door, if you would, a, a door would be open. And Jesus, though it's not a stone that is removed, it's a door that is open. And it's, it's one that is open. And Jesus, among people that don't believe, among some that are fearful, among many that are just there because they want something to be wrong and they want something to be different. He is there and he looks and he says in the voice that only he possesses, Lazarus, come forth. And if he stopped for just a moment, you can imagine some as they would look, they wouldn't believe it. That, that, that doesn't just happen. That isn't just right. The Bible says that he was bound in hand and foot. He doesn't care what he looks like. He was dead. Mary and Martha, they don't have any time to think about, well, what does he smell like? He was dead. And Jesus speaks to him, Lazarus, come forth. It's not an elegant walk. It's not one of great charisma and confidence. But you see as Lazarus makes his way to where Jesus is. Come forth, Lazarus. And you see, there's nothing, there's nothing beautiful about that. It's kind of embarrassing the way you have to move like that. It's kind of humiliating the fact you got to hop like that. But you don't understand, Lazarus was dead. Being revived isn't going to look cute. Coming out of hurtful situations, it's not going to be pretty. Trying to survive after rehab, trying to survive after relapses, it's not going to look very appealing. But it doesn't matter what it looks like. You are dead. And God has just spoken life. You are dead. And so though it may not be cute, Lazarus, come forth. Don't let anybody stop you from your deliverance. Don't let anybody keep you from coming out of your
your situation. Don't let anybody stop you from what God's trying to raise you up from. You don't have to worry about looking good. You don't have to worry about, well, do I look like that person? Do I, do I have a suit? Forget the suit. Forget about what everybody is wearing. That's not important. God is raising you up. And the Bible, the Bible says that as he comes forth, he tells them, loose him and let him go. If I can have Vinny, if I can know really quick, I move quickly for the sake of time today. And he looks and notice what Jesus does. Jesus speaks the miracle. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth with the voice that only he has, with the voice that only he can. But then what God does is now puts it into the hands of those that have just seen it for the first time. They're not experienced with things coming back to life. They're not professionals. They're not gifted in this situation. This has never been done before. But now they are put in a position because, hear me, because they were there out of their care and their concern. They didn't know that the funeral was going to turn into a birthday party. They didn't know. But they were there in that dark moment. And when God showed up for Lazarus in the darkest place, God made sure there were people that would have a responsibility. There was a church that would have a responsibility and loose him and let him go. He was bound by his hat and foot. You got to understand this. He stinks. He's been dead for four days. That doesn't stop them. Not when you care. Not when you've seen somebody come to life. Not when there's revival. Not when there's somebody fighting for their life. Not when something was dead and they're coming back. Y'all don't hear me today. No, no, no. Well, there, there ought to be a church on Sunday morning that says, yeah, I know you don't look the part. I, I, I know this, this stench is strong, but I'm here for a reason. And I want you to know that God's going to do something with your life. And I'm going to be here for you're not in this by yourself you're not in this by yourself this is a miracle you're a miracle you're coming out somebody needs to get a hold of it today what situation is dead for you what scenario have you found yourself in and here's the thing it's not cute it's not quick it's not efficient but it's necessary and we need people who will say, I don't care how long it takes, Raymond. Lazarus, I know this is embarrassing. I know this isn't something you wanted. But I'm teaching these people a lesson, Lazarus. They don't really know it. But what I've done today, Lazarus, is I've set the stage. They don't know it. But Lazarus, me showing up at your tomb is going to end in me being taken away for death. They don't know it, Lazarus. But me showing up to bring you life, to resurrect you, is actually going to be the introduction for my death so that I could resurrect them. Jesus is going to be taken away. The plans are set in motion. Why? They thought, oh, you're just there to resurrect Lazarus. Oh, no, I'm doing this to set the stage so I can resurrect you too. 
And it doesn't matter. You've got to have people. You've got to have people that are willing. You've got to have people that don't care what it looks like. You've got to have people that... Yeah, it was Lazarus in John chapter number 11. But at Revival Church, it was Raymond. Ray, I don't, I don't care how long it takes you. I don't care how many times the law is involved. I don't care how many times I've got to pick you up and I've got to drop you off. Right? I don't care how many times you have to walk out of that, that home that was full of drugs and situations. And we have to have a prayer meeting when I pick you up. And a prayer meeting when I drop you off. And a prayer meeting on the way home. God, would you save him? God, would you raise him up? God, would you do something in his life? I don't care how long it takes. Because God is working a miracle in your life. And there are people under the sound of my voice who are just like Raymond. Who are just like Lazarus. You've gone through some things. Things you're not proud of. Things you're not happy about. But on this Sunday morning, God has showed up late for you God has showed up late for you would you stand all over this building today and the only thing there is the grave clothes that he was wrapped up in it's just grave clothes that he was wrapped up in he was brought to life a situation that everybody says you've been dead four days you're just a statistic Raymond Lazarus, you got to understand, people like you don't make it out of those situations. You got to understand, people don't make it out of those scenarios. You just, it's, just a, it's, just, it's just what you were dealt in life. You've got to accept it. No. Not when Jesus walks in. Why? Oh, because he's the one that appoints the end from the beginning. Because it's not just what he does, it's who he is. He is the resurrection and the life. And he walks, he walks in today on this Sunday morning, not looking to do something on the last day. He walks in looking to do something today. I want to know where the Raymond's at today. I want to know, are you willing to unwrap a Lazarus today? Wherever it is you find yourself, take me to that tomb. Take me to that place. Oh, yeah, it's been dead a long time. It's been, it's been four days. It's been years that dream has died. It's been years. My relationship with you, God, has been gone. It's been years. He says, no, take me to that place. Take me to that place. And when God showed up late, they didn't know and they didn't realize that they were measuring a God that stood outside of time. They were measuring a God. It's not just what I do, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. What you need what you need it has not expired it is not too late it is not too far gone oh no God has walked in the resurrection and the life and it's nobody else's business nobody else knows it but take me to that place take me would you take me to that place because God is walking to that place today there's a barrier there but I'll remove that barrier and not only will I remove it I will put people in your life that will be willing to take a hold as long as it takes to unwrap, to unwrap where you were bound hand and foot. It wasn't cute. It wasn't nice. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't strong. It wasn't charismatic. Oh, no, no. But it's the truth of where we live that we need people to, to 
unbind us, to take off what it is that has kept us. And as long as it takes, as much as it is, we'll leave it at an altar on Sunday morning. But, 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 but what about the thoughts I've been having? We'll leave it at an altar on Sunday morning. But what about the situations that I'm going through? What about the troubles that I've been in? What about the things that, that nobody really knows about that I'm not proud of? What about those things that have kept me bound for so long? He's the resurrection and the life. And today, those things you don't have to go home with. Those things you leave them at an altar. Those things you leave here. Because the God that you and I serve has walked up and he is speaking to you. It was personal. He didn't say to everyone that's dead. He didn't say to anyone that's listening. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He's calling you by name on this Sunday morning. And as we prepare to sing, as we prepare to worship, I'm asking if you would come forth. But it's not pretty. Yeah, I know it's not pretty. It's just me hopping along, me just shuffling along. Who wants to see that? I'll tell you who wants to see that. The one that called you by name, Lazarus, come forth. But I stink. It's been four days. Come forth. But I've been going through this for a long time. Come forth. Today's your day to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Today's your day to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Today's your day, young man or sir, young lady, to be revived. God is ministering today and he's calling you by name. It's not a preacher. It's not a song. Oh no, it's the word of the Lord. The same word of the Lord that called out Lazarus. That voice today, can you hear it? Lazarus, come forth in the middle of the storm, in the middle of what you're going through. Come forth. Oh, the addictions that have bound you for so long. Lazarus, come forth. The thoughts that have troubled you for so long. Lazarus, come forth. Come forth. Come forth. Come forth. I'm calling you by name today. As we sing and as we worship today, some of you, maybe it's not you walking forward. Maybe it's you unwrapping somebody today through prayer. Maybe it's you taking a hold of somebody. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You want to be baptized? We'll baptize you. You need a Bible study? I can teach you a Bible study. You need prayer? I'll pray for you. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I know there's struggles. I know there's troubles, but I'm here for you.